Welcome to another edition of Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. My name is Gordon Glenister, and among my many roles, I'm the global head of influencer marketing at the Branded Content Marketing Association, which is a professional membership organization representing the branded content and influencer marketing industry. I'm also a keynote speaker and a consultant to the sector. Now, in this podcast series, you're going to hear me interview all sorts of people from the world of influencer marketing. But before we start, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast series just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. In today's edition, we're going to be discussing how to manage sensitive subjects in the world of influencer marketing. We've seen influence, of course, used very successfully throughout the coronavirus period, not only with campaigns to promote well-being and mental health, but also more sensitive subjects too. I wanted to find out a bit more about how to address these delicate topics, so I caught up with Sophie Crowther, and she's the head of influencer talent at Brave Bison. Sophie ran an amazing campaign around reporting indecent images online, and that created some amazing and spectacular results. Sophie is based in Singapore, and she started by giving me an interview about her role and how she selects talent. Brave Bison, for those that don't know, is a social agency. Um, we specialize in the creation, distribution, and monetization of social content across a whole variety of platforms. And um, we're based in London and in Singapore, and we do everything from the creative, creative campaign management and production, all the way to publishing and paid social. So we kind of do the whole end-to-end piece. We are an agency technically, but we do see ourselves as a bit more creative and boutique and specialized um, in, in that sense. And then me personally, who I am, I'm the head of influence talent for Brave Bison. I'm based in Singapore and yeah, I oversee our specifically our APAC influence marketing operations and starting to do a little bit more of a global holistic look at the business as well. So I moved to Singapore in 2017 to take up the position of head of talent here. I've been in the business for six years. I came from the London side, was brought over to the APAC business to basically start from scratch our whole influence offering over here. I've held this position for three years now. And what challenges did you face when you started out, particularly in a different country? A lot. Coming to a completely new region, I didn't have any contacts here. Even us as a business were really new here. So we'd really started to ride a wave of um, some pretty big clients for us. It started this whole snowball effect, which is what brought me over here in the first place. When you're in the UK or in the West, where you have the main language is English, everyone can communicate. Here, there are so many different cultures, languages, religions, everything. It's this amazing melting pot of people. And to really make sure that we're executing each of our projects in each of these markets effectively locally in ways that resonate with people was kind of the big challenge you know you can't just call Asia Asia and APAC APAC which um, was definitely something that we were seeing um, with some clients particularly in, in the west where they would say oh yeah we want to target Asia 
and that isn't what it should be. Asia isn't a one-size-fits-all thing. So really getting to grips with how we can make our multi-market and global campaigns work really well in localized ways was a big challenge, but super exciting. Been a massive learning thing for me. And yeah, I feel like after three years, we've really, really managed to get a proper grip on it. We've got amazing people in place to help us deliver our projects, amazing partners in each market, you know, so... But yeah, I'm very proud with the projects that we've done here and um, and the mark that we've made. Yeah, that's good to hear. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to have a chat with you today was, was really more about um, running campaigns that tackle a rather sensitive issue. Tell us about one in specific that you've been involved with. Yeah, so um, it's definitely something that we're seeing more and more of. And it's certainly something that we as a business want to do more and more of. But recently we we were approached by the Internet Watch Foundation and Marie Collins Foundation. They came to us because they needed to increase understanding in the UK amongst 18 to 24 year old males of how to report indecent images of children. And when you see them online, how to report them and why it's so important to do so. So obviously, yes, this is an extremely sensitive topic and not one that you do see on social media or with influencers that often because it is so sensitive but you know as a social content company we were really well placed to actually come up with a right idea and a way that we can execute this effectively using social media making sure that we are identifying the right types of talent that can reach these audiences in the right way you know i think the best way for us to have looked at this was kind of looking back and how charities have done it before you know celebrity for example celebrities have long been associated with charities using their influence to raise awareness and support for good causes so it's kind of just applying that format and methodology to the new I guess this new type of celebrity which are the social media influencers and you know to really make sure that we can apply a similar strategy to this to make sure that we can come up with a call to action that would resonate really strongly with our target audience so these uk 18 to 24 year old males you know how can we reach them about this sensitive topic and that will actually make them you know stop look and take action the way that we did this was being able to yeah identify two very prominent influential content creators we partnered with a guy called Aaron Kraskell, who's a really famous online comedian, and a guy called Emans SV2, who is a really big football content creator, both with incredibly high reach in our target market, very highly engaged audiences, because that was obviously going to be really key for us. We can't be just using talent that have that, yeah, that their audiences aren't going to react, they're not going to engage. You know, we really needed that two-way conversation to be happening and we also needed the talent that we were going to work with to be believable authentic ambassadors for something like this you know finding the right talent is a massive massive part of that to make sure that we were going to get this right we have a pretty stringent talent criteria um, for, for all of our campaigns actually but for something like this it was absolutely crucial that we were extra vigilant in terms of the type of talent that we're putting forward so data obviously plays a massive part we needed to make sure that our talent were going to reach our our audience as i said before having very high engagement was really key for this 
making sure that they were brand safe. So, you know, doing our due diligence to ensure that they you know, hadn't been in any controversies in the past. Yeah, that there was nothing coming up that, that would have been a red flag that could have put our client and our, these charities into disrepute. That was massively important. And of course, making sure that the talent, once they've gone through our criterion and due diligence, also passes our client's due diligence process. So having that in place was, was super key. And then the creative was definitely like the fun part. You know, I guess when you are tackling such an incredibly important but sensitive topic, sometimes, you know, the best ways that you can reach such a young audience is by having a little bit of fun with it, making sure that it is going to be picked up, that people aren't just going to scroll past. So our creative team definitely had some fun in, in coming up with a creative that we knew would work. So what we ended up doing with Aaron and Eman were creating these deliberate photo mishaps to see if their audience would speak up. So each of them created a, an image that clearly had something that wasn't quite right. So for example, Eman's is a, is a massive Arsenal fan. His first image was him in Arsenal kit with Burr's socks. So obviously, you know, he doesn't say anything about it, but the, the task is, is, is his audience going to notice? And of course they did. And of course they commented about it and they spoke up about it. And that's the message really. It's when you see something that's not quite right to say something, to speak up about it. And, you know, through follow-up content, our creators addressed, yes, you saw it, you got me. Then they could bring in who the client was, you know, the overall message, why it's so important when you do see indecent images of children online, how to report it, where to report it, and why it's so important to report it. You know, all this fun stuff is all well and good, but this is actually the next step. I guess it's a real combination of making sure you're working with the right talent that can speak this message and align with your brand voice and your client's voice believably I guess like authentic I hate I mean the authentic is a word that gets plugged around all the time but it, I mean it's kind of true right and you do need talent that are really going to believe in something like this to their soul and Eman and Aaron really did you know they really went above and beyond giving like added value content as well because they knew that their audience heavily are young males would genuinely benefit from seeing this campaign so that really helped and yeah having a, an engaging creative um, really helped as well so it was an incredibly successful campaign I mean we exceeded our promised yeah I think we we had originally promised that we wanted to have a reach of around half a million but we ended up with over five million and our views together both of our talent combined they exceeded our pre-campaign estimates by over 3,500 percent so it's really incredible and you know again it's just the whole combination of of how we work with talent as well which I can get into a bit later that kind of I think puts us in a bit of a different space to some of our competitors I think client was super happy the talent was super happy it resonated it worked these are the types of projects that we want to work on more and we can see that the audiences want to see this type of stuff more as well I think the online audiences is um, maybe just getting a bit more savvy and the market is so oversaturated with crap. And I think there's a real place for these very human interest issues that we're all facing. That is amazing, amazing case study. I have to say, well, well done you. What I was going to ask you is, did you, um, obviously you've got these two amazing individuals, presumably, did you look at a pool of more than two to start with? And I'm just interested to see how you whittle it down to those two. Absolutely. Yes, we, we of course do. Our typical talent process is we will spend a lot of time researching and finding the right talent for our briefs. So one thing to know about Brave Bison and the way we work with talent is we are talent agnostic. 
so we are not a talent management company we are not a talent or an influencer platform we aren't limited to a set roster of talent that we will continuously plug to our clients so what we do instead is we spend huge amounts of time growing these non-exclusive relationships with talent, either talent direct, talent managers, MCNs all over the world, as well as our, our data partners as well that can help us source talent. But it's the combination of the two really, which has really been able to build us a much richer, a more interesting, a way more human level of talent relationships it's since I've been there in the last six years, definitely in the last three where this talent agnostic model like I've been rolling out. So we will hone in on that first. Plus we use huge amounts of data to help us source talent, but it is our relationships first, the human aspect of our vetting. So I believe that data can only really take you so far. It's obviously a good place to start, but you know, our team will look at, well, they'll actually watch a lot of the content. They'll consume it till they're blue in the face. Really, getting under the skin of who each of the talent are, you know, what makes them tick? What is the content that drives them? Is their talent voice going to match the brand voice? Are they going to be a believable ambassador for this brand? Can they really speak that language and, and do it truthfully and honestly to their audience? So it's like that a very, very human aspect of how we do select our talent before we even propose to a client. But yes, you know, we start with huge lists of people which then get vetted down and vetted down. And then, you know, we'll probably go to our client with 20-ish, 20 to 30 really strong talent that we believe could be really good ambassadors for this. And then, you know, we will work really closely with the client and you know, just getting in deeper into what they're looking for, what they want, then it all starts to kind of align very closely with our creative strategy as well. Because usually our creative and talent are happening at the same time. So once that kind of gets to be much more aligned and, and in sync, that list gets smaller and smaller because we are just better able to say, you know what, these two talent, these are going to be the guys that are really going to be able to drive this home. We wanted to make sure that our audiences were diverse audiences as well. So even just as something as so basic as the genre of each talent, you know, to work with two football talent, are we really going to have the same kind of impact as if we spread it out a bit? You know, having someone like Aaron, who is a huge online comedian and has, you know, he's been one of the OGs. He was on Vine. I mean, he's been around for so many years. He knows what he's doing. He, like, he, he gets it. And then someone like Eman, who has been so integral to the whole football scene, also has been on YouTube for a long time, has grown a very loyal audience. So to have these just slight, you know, two very different audiences was very important to us as well, just to just slightly branch out of where we could go. But yeah, I guess, you know, the more you can spread out that message to different audience types and different genres, the better, really. Our business has evolved over six years in how we work with talent quite a lot. I've seen lots of different iterations of, of working with talent, and I've been a part of all of them. Um, so, you know, whether it was the MCN side, you know, we were the biggest MCN outside of North America when MCNs were the big thing. We even started our own talent management arm of the business. And now, you know, just very much honing in on influencer marketing. And, you know, I've also seen it, you know, working with celebrities to macro to nano talent, whether they are content creators or they are more traditional talent or they are key opinion leaders, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they're business people. I feel like I've seen it from so many different angles. And I think my main tip, I guess, is 
we must stop treating them like they are just an Instagram handle, like they are just a product. I think it happens way too often. And I think that's the reason why there is so much bad influencer content out there, sponsored content. Treating them like they are people, like they are an extension of your team. Once you can reframe your mind in, in this way, and, you know, bring them on as a consultant or bring them on really early on. Like have them as a part of the creative process. Put them behind the camera as part of the crew. Like just understanding that they are a real person. And by the way, they understand their audience way more than you do. As soon as you can change that, the whole process will be just way more enjoyable. Everyone will get more out of it. Everyone will leave happier. Just getting that in that more like zen way has just been a game changer for us as a business. Yeah, just treating them like they're a real collaborative partner and not something to be commoditized has been key. I would also say to look beyond the data. So, you know, the following numbers and the data is great, but just meet them for a coffee. What do they want? What are their ambitions? How can they truly add value to your business and vice versa? Try and change the conversation to what you can do for each other, not just here's some money. I want you to make this post. Because the buyer, your consumer, is bored, I think. I think there's a huge amount of fatigue going on. As a consumer on social media, I'm sure you must feel it as well. You know, that kind of endless scrolling. And I think we as agencies, as marketers, as talent managers, as brands, we have a responsibility to cut through that crap really you know like we have to make sure that yeah if we are going to do this and if this industry is going to survive then we have to do it better always always better always working with better talent talent that have a purpose that have a reason to get up in the morning you know that their ambition isn't to be an influencer but they have something to say to the world you know those are the talent that I want to work with maybe I'm just getting a bit more hippie as I get older so what next for Sophie and Brave Bison then? So right now we're at a pretty exciting time. So we are in the middle of putting together a more refined global creator offering, um, which we're hoping to roll out towards the end of this year, beginning of next. So very much, you know, the same values as, as everything I've been talking about. So, you know, being talent agnostic, we're not in the business of throwing briefs at talent and hoping for the best. We're not going to tie talent into, you know, crazy exclusive contracts. Like that's not the vibe, bringing them in as creative consultants, like having that just more holistic approach. That's what's really exciting for us at the moment. So that is all to come. What really drives me and pushes me in this industry to keep going is to keep on working with the really talented talent to work with the brands that are trying to tackle something bigger, like Internet Watch Foundation and Marie Collins Foundation that we did this year. You know, we did a campaign recently with Lark in the Philippines that was helping small, medium businesses in a post-COVID world. So for me, it's, I, I guess, just continuing, trying to do more, using social for good. That's what I want to do. I want to continue to hopefully have, like, you know, great conversations with brands that can use their power for good and use our power for good, putting out important messages, making a difference and not selling things for the sake of selling things. This podcast is supported by the Branded Content Marketing Association, promoting the value of influencer marketing globally. That's it for another edition of Influence. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and give me your feedback. Feedback at influencepodcast.net. Thanks again to my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. So until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, it's bye for now.